One guy. One gal. One actor. And one year. Welcome, Welcome to, to the, the Kevin Costner Project. Well, Greg, welcome to our late night recording sesh. Yes, welcome, Kate. Do you notice my trendy lingo? Sesh. Oh, Lord. Are we <laughs> using that type of language now? No, never. <laughs> We've done it once. We have been hanging out with a teenager, though. Yeah, I don't know, but this teenager doesn't seem that uh that type of uh lingo person no i don't think so either she's she's fun though yeah yeah so she's been here we're talking about yana our new exchange student from germany she's been here since friday evening today is wednesday yeah and um she actually sat through one of the movies this week with us we're going to talk about two movies this evening the Big Chill and Shadows Run Black. Yep. And um, she, I guess now she knows who Kevin Costner is. Yes. She should be able to spot him anyway. I'm so glad we're getting through the 80s. But before we do, I think we have some Costner news to discuss. Do we? We do. Kevin's been in the news again. He's a busy little bee. Bzzz. <laughs> So, um, as people may have heard, he's got a movie coming out next summer called Verizon. No, Horizon. Not, not to be confused with Verizon. With the phone company. And we're not promoting Verizon. No, no. <laughs> and it's coming out in June next year. And it's going to be a two-part Western event. And he's trying something new which is that he will be releasing part two only two months after he releases part one. So we don't have to wait like a year to but see it. Apparently this is unheard of to do this and they think it might flop. That's what I was I mean, seeing. If, if number one is terrible, then nobody's going to go see number two. Right. But I guess if that's the case, then probably number two nobody would go see whether it was a year away or right two months away exactly i know two people who are going to go see parts one and two well we have to if we're doing this project right Kate? if we're going to do it properly get your popcorn ready greg it's time to prepare you know I, how i feel about westerns i'm yes, already exactly predisposed to not like this but i'm gonna watch it well maybe he'll help you change your tune on it we don't know that's true and maybe you know, by then we'll have Dances with Wolves and Wyatt Earp and all that stuff under our belts, and maybe I'll have changed my mind completely. Yeah, Kevin Costner doesn't wear a cowboy hat for nothing. Yeah, so <laughs> time will tell. But for this week, Greg, we watched two movies. Yep, yep. I one of which I have really nothing to say about, mm. and the other one I don't have anything good to say about. So it's going to be an interesting episode. And one... You don't really see Kevin at all, and the other one, some. Yeah, that's accurate. Okay, well, uh, the first one that we watched was The Big Chill from 1983. It is rated R, 
comedy drama and it ran an hour and 43 minutes and Kevin plays Alex the dead body who we don't even ever see his face if I recall Right. It's an uncredited appearance is what they call it. The movie is about a once close-knit gang of friends who get together after their friend Alex has committed suicide to to kind of relive some of their old issues. Yeah. Memories. It seems like the group has some issues and intimacy stuff going on, which uh, I don't understand it. Well... I have two really good friends who swear by this movie. I was very excited to watch it, even though I knew that Kevin got cut out of it. He did have some bigger parts of it, but all of that wound up on the cutting room floor. Stuff that I didn't know about. How does the internet rate this thing, Greg? Well, the Rotten Tomatoes rating is a 71, and the IMDb rating is a 7.1. Oh, so it's the same score, really. Yeah, so, I mean, apparently it's rated pretty good, but I'm not really quite clear on why. It doesn't seem like that good a movie. Okay, so to give this the benefit of the doubt, here's what I'm going to say. The two people who I spoke to who love The Big Chill are probably at least 10 years older than I am. So I think this was not made for Gen X. Okay. I think that generationally we are at a disadvantage with this movie. I think maybe people our parents' age and a little bit younger got a lot out of this, but people our age didn't get that much out of it. All right. So basically what you're saying is that it did not age as gracefully. I'm saying that its target audience has aged with it very well. Okay. But we are not of the age to age with. So I'm not even going to bother rating this because it's not a Kevin Costner movie. No. And I just don't really have much to say about it. I didn't particularly enjoy it. I didn't hate it. I just didn't really get it. Same here. Thank you for the big chill. I had a great cast. Glenn Close, Kevin Klein, who my friend Amy thinks is the superior Kevin to our Kevin have to disagree but okay mm. i mean you really can't go wrong with the cast but i just i didn't particularly enjoy it all yeah. right well moving on then <laughs> unless you have anything else you care to say no nothing else okay so we're moving on now to shadows run black greg you want to give us the rundown on this one just the general all right we move on from 1983 and we're now in 1984 Woohoo! I am now nine years old. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Shadows from Black is an indie film slash horror, and it runs about an hour and 31 minutes. Would you call this a horror movie? I'm getting ahead of the game. Let's keep going. Yes, you blame me for getting ahead of the game. (laughs) Sorry, yes. I just jumped the shark a little bit myself. Jump the shark? What does that mean? (laughs) You don't know the term jump the shark? No. That is the term for when a TV show outruns its run. It like overstays its welcome. It Uh, jumps the shark. Okay. Kate has taught me something new today, (laughs) folks. I did not know that phrase. It actually comes from Henry Winkler. When he was the Fonz, he was on Happy Days and they had the Fonz like jump over a shark and everybody agreed like Happy Days had gone on too long at that point. And so now jump the shark means a TV show that's lasting too long. Okay. That nobody enjoys. Anyway, back to Shadows Run Black. I can't find the Rotten Tomatoes rating. 
but I do see that the IMDb rating is a 3.1. I'm not sure it deserves that high a rating. <laughs> and there's something on here called Letterboxed, and it got a 2.7 out of 5. Okay, that's generous. Kevin plays Jimmy Scott, and I don't think anybody else of note is in this thing. I don't recognize any of these names, so I'm not going to bother with that. So let's get into it. Should we do a brief overview? I've decided today that we should not reveal who the killer is. Okay. I think we should have it be a mystery. If you guys want to know who the killer is, you need to sit through this thing like we had to sit through this thing. And you guys can tell us if you think that those ratings are actually correct and... I will say this also. I never figure out who the killer is in these things. And I did figure out who the killer was. And it was so obvious, in my opinion. And what I didn't understand was why he decided to start killing. It didn't make any sense to me. I Well, again, we're getting ahead of ourselves. Yeah. So I'm going to give you, what, a two-sentence synopsis. And then Greg is going to give you his, as we have done in the past. The basic plot line here is that there is a hard-edged police detective who is on the prowl to figure out who a serial killer known as the Black Angel is. Because the Black Angel is running around, I believe it's Los Angeles and environs. There was one random killing out in the woods somewhere, but everything else seemed to be in a college town. Yes, you're correct. I don't know where the heck that one was. Anyways, this black angel is killing off. At first we're told he's kind of a co-ed killer, but then it turns out it might be sex workers he's bumping off. I'm not super clear on that. It's all part of the killer's confession at the end. But even that didn't really make a heck of a lot of sense. So anyways, Kevin Costner's character, Jimmy Scott, is the chief suspect in these slayings. Right. So that is my early synopsis. Greg, what is your synopsis? I'm just going to say <laughs> this movie had a thing in common with Sizzle Beach. One of the main things that it was showing us and had to do with the murders was boobs. I don't think a single woman who got murdered in this thing didn't flash her rack before it got started. One of them literally, like, ripped her shirt off and ran into the knife. I believe you are correct. Do you remember that lady? She just, like, walked into it. I believe you're correct, yes. All right, well, the first killings is these people out in the woods. There's a couple that are making out in the back seat of a car or something and then they go in the house she gets bored she's in the house and he's working on, on the, car. the car and then he, he gets bumped off she comes out to try and find him and she gets slammed in the hood of the that was pretty nasty yeah, yeah. <laughs> the killer like bisects her with the trunk of the car or something that was gross yeah i mean if if you're going to call it a horror flick, that was pretty gross and horrific. But what I don't get about that per se is that they were a couple. It wasn't like he was paying for her services. So I don't get the sense that she was a sex worker. 
Yeah, but it was very strange. Basically, the guy was chasing her through the woods, and it was like there was something going on with that. It was weird. So there was something weird with that. So I don't know if that somehow was connected. There was like no motive for this crime that I could say that connected it to the other one. Did he chase her in the woods before he crunched her in the car? No, 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 no. Her boyfriend chased her yeah. but we really don't know for sure who what the was, heck knows what but, was, who, like honestly who even cares i don't even care why they died it just did not tie into what they told us the plot of this movie was so then we move on to there's a party at a house in los angeles there is a magician who is doing card tricks and coin tricks for not kids but these were Grown-ass adults having a birthday party. Yep. And she's turning 24, and they have hired a magician. And then she wanders off with... Well, first of all, Kevin Costner strolls in and drinks a beer and has a bad attitude. Right. He doesn't really like the magician thing. He just sort of comes in and sort of looks disgusted at it. He kind of scowls at everybody and you you get the impression he's got a real bad attitude. And he seems to be the birthday girl's boyfriend. Yes. That is clear enough that we can tell. I don't believe she also was a sex worker. Right. They were dating and then she says randomly to him in the middle of her own birthday party let's go for a swim and then suddenly kevin costner's character jimmy wants nothing more than to watch this magic show right so even though it was her birthday party she goes out to the swimming pool and just starts stripping down so at this point it becomes clear that she's going to be victim number two because we get a good look at her headlights. She jumps in the pool. She gets murdered. And nobody in the party noticed. I mean, I gotta think that if I were at a friend's birthday party and they, like, moosed out to the backyard to go swimming, I would probably go with. They all just sort of stared at the magician and didn't even really notice that she left. It was very strange, especially if it's the birthday girl. I mean, what the yeah. flip? And, like, her best friend, like, I wouldn't let my best friend, who's upset from an argument with her boyfriend, just take off in the backyard by herself. I don't know. I don't know. Who the hell knows? Anyway, soon enough, the place is crawling with cops. What's her name? I think she was a combination of drowned and strangled or something. Right, right. It was done in the pool itself. The killing was done in the pool. And then enter this hard-nosed detective. What the heck was that guy's name? Rydell King. That was him. Okay, so enter Rydell King. He's a cop with, well, he doesn't take any shit. Let's put it that way. Right. He has a reputation for being a hard-nosed detective of the street. But why was he like that? I mean, he has some history and... His daughter died. We don't initially know why. Really? Right. It comes to pass she was hanging around some shady characters. I think we find that out. But they've never really figured out who it is that killed her. And so he's on a mission to figure out who murdered his daughter. And 
I guess maybe these killings, are we supposed to believe these killings follow the pattern of his daughter's killing? I don't know. It doesn't even make any sense. Rydell doesn't even like connect that. It's just brought up that his daughter died. It wasn't like he was trying to connect them. And really, I mean, not that I'm any sort of expert on serial killings, but I think they generally sort of follow a pattern. And the first dude out in the woods, didn't he get a wrench to the head or something? He got murdered that way. His girlfriend got cut in half with a car trunk. Then this chick gets drowned in the pool or drowned and strangled strangled in the pool. And then I think the next one is the one that gets stabbed to death. Probably there was one that got shot. I don't know. Anyways, there's no rhyme nor reason that would connect that these women are all being killed by the same person. And then eventually there's like this one girl that has a super overprotective big brother. Her and her brother's parents have been killed and the brother has been looking after her for a long time. And that's why I thought it was like a co-ed type thing. But, I mean, she seemed a bit old for her brother to be pushing her around and telling her what to do. And when I say that, I don't mean like, I don't think she was even 30. But she was probably 25, wouldn't you say? Mm. She certainly didn't need a boss. So she starts getting all these creepy phone calls. And she tells Jimmy Scott to buzz off. But the phone calls continue. And in the meantime, she's sneaking out to see her boyfriend who... (gasps) He's black, which is, you know, quite an issue for the brother who's following them around. And then the boyfriend and the brother pummel the hell out of each other. All appears to be lost in this relationship until they wind up in the final climactic moments in which the killer is revealed. And the brother, I don't think it's saying too much really to say the brother gets killed and the boyfriend saves the day. There was one other murder in there, that lady that had the lazy roommate and also was a single mother. Right. She might have been the one that walked into the knife after she got out of the shower. I don't know. Yeah, it was hard to follow some of this movie. It it really, to me, was not made very good. And it's just sort of the sequence of events sort of like, okay, over here, over here. And we're supposed to try and connect all this. At some point, Rydell hauls Jimmy's ass into the police station. Despite his best bad cop can't get this kid to break. Throws him in the clink, and then something else, another murder happens, so it might not have been Jimmy. It was all a mess. It was a mess. It was a mess. Let's just put it this way. Greg and I do not recommend that you watch this movie. I don't know if we can rate it because, frankly, I think Kevin had about five minutes of screen time in this. Well, it was better than the big chill. Let's put it that way. Well, yes, screen time wise, yes. But I would say it was maybe on a par with the first one. It was more than the subsequent ones until we got to Stacy's night. Oh, so you're saying that it was on par with Sizzle Beach, Beach, like that amount of screen time? Because in Night Shift, he didn't I mean, it had other things in common. That's true. (laughs) The boobs, but... uh... (laughs) But in Night Shift, he didn't have any screen time, really. In Francis, he didn't have any. Stacy's Nights, he was the lead male character. Right. Then we went back to the big chill with nothing. And now this is maybe five minutes. Yeah. 
Of which, what did we say, an hour and a half? So that's an hour and a half of our lives we're not going to get back. Maybe people that are more into horror and stuff might like it better than us, but I don't really know. I absolutely hate horror, and I was not scared of this movie. Okay. What about you? What's your feeling about horror, and then how did you feel about this? I don't really like watching horror because I guess I don't like getting scared and everything too much. So my feeling about this, we could rate it, but it's, again, not enough of Kevin Costner in it to really, since this is all about Kevin Costner, I mean, we can rate it just to rate it. All right. If I was going to rate it, because we did finish it, I'm going to give it a one. Okay. Or a 0.5 because it was terrible. Right. I would agree with you. I mean, we did finish The Big Chill. Are we going to rate that one too? I mean, he didn't even have a line. I don't think we can really rate that one. Okay. At least in this, he had the scene at the birthday party and then the scene at the police station. So. Yeah. Yeah. There aren't words. I really did not like this movie. I'm going to agree with you 0.5 for Shadows Run Black. Okay, here's a question for you, Greg. Okay. We're sitting around talking about the worst movies we've watched this year, and you have a choice between watching this one again or watching Stacy's Nights again. Which one are you going to choose? Stacy's Nights. I agree. I don't even have to really think about it. I don't want to watch that one again either. Yeah, I mean, Stacy's Nights at least kept me engaged. This one, I just was confused almost from the get-go. And it's such a bummer because last week's movies were so good. I'm glad we're in the middle of the 80s. Please tell me we're about to come out of this. Kevin, did you really have to do all these? And I guess leading up to your big performances, I guess. Kevin, we're on your side. My whole hypothesis was that you were never in a bad movie even one time. And 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 it's not your fault. Yeah. It's not your fault. Everybody's got to take those shitty roles when they're hungry. Yep. Got to make uh, some dough when, when you need it. I got to believe you could have done better than this after being in Testament. Question for you, Kevin, for both of these movies would be, did you take these two movies out of desperation or I don't know. I hated it. I hated this movie. If I could give it a zero, I'd give it a zero. I mean, I could, but we finished it, and that's my threshold. So 0.5. Don't watch it. Now, Greg, in an attempt to have anything to say about this movie, I did look up the most pressing question really on my mind during all of this, which was why are these movies so hell-bent on showing naked women? Especially boobs. It turns out, in the 70s and 80s, there was an influx of European directors. Okay. And apparently in Europe, and this is confirmed by Jana, our new 16-year-old, it is considered that sex scenes are a cheap and easy way to heighten the drama of any movie. Okay. And so that was happening a lot. During this time period as we are seeing. Right. Do you find that interesting? 
I find it interesting. I was wondering why they felt they needed sex scenes instead of something else to heighten it. Like, make the plot a bit more interesting. Yeah. Do you think this thing had a European director? I think maybe European influence. I don't think it was a European director. I'm going to Google it real quick while we're sitting here. Shadows Run Black. Was directed by Howard Hurd. You ever heard of Howard Hurd? I don't... Howard is a native of Southern California, so maybe he was influenced by Europeans, but he himself is not European. I don't know, but that's what we read on the internet this week. So if you are looking for... Wait just a minute. Look at his other movie. Well, apparently Howard Hurd also did Sizzle Beach, so... Did he direct it? No. How was he involved? It says it was directed by Richard Brander. Hold on a minute, Howard. What's your scoop? Oh, he edited Sizzle Beach USA. You think he had a bet with the director that he could make a better movie? Maybe. He failed. (laughs) (laughs) It wasn't better, it wasn't worse. Yeah, that sounds like it. (laughs) Okay, well, in any event, that's what we learned about cinema in America in the 70s and 80s. So, Greg, what are we watching next? Well, the next one is Fandango, and then we've got Silverado and American Flyers. And then, finally, we're going to hit the big time. The Untouchables. And I am pretty excited to see that again. I haven't seen it but once, I don't think. And I remember it being excellent. I've never seen it, as far as I remember. So three more. It sounds like Fandango and Silverado could be westerns. I'm guessing that too. Don't know anything about them. I I feel badly that this episode is short, everybody, but there's really nothing to say positive about Shadows Run Black, and there's not enough Kevin to say anything about the big chill. I guess that's where we have to leave it. Yeah. Maybe, um, maybe other people can tell us more about why they feel that either one of these movies, uh, Shadows Run Black or The Big Chill, is uh, really good at all. So give us your we, feedback. Let, let us know. Did we judge Shadows Run Black unfairly? That's a question for our audience. And speaking of our audience, Greg, we hit a big milestone this week. Well, we went over 50 followers this week. And currently, as of October 29th, we are at 76 followers. That is amazing. Thank you all so much. Definitely. Thank you. For joining us. This is uh, just based on our Facebook stats. But we... um, we're just so excited to have so many of you interested in the project and coming along for the ride. Exactly, Kate. And you guys are really in on the ground floor with us here. So welcome, and we hope you're going to stick around, interact with us on Facebook a lot, and give us your reviews and your hot takes on these crazy movies. Exactly. Because I think it's about to get a little less interesting when the movies turn out to be good. I don't know. 
Well, I think we'll still have stuff to say, Kate. <laughs> <laughs> we always have stuff to say. <laughs> exactly. All right. Well, thank you, all of you. And let me think what else. And just a quick note before we wrap up here, but our website is down at the moment. We're working on it. I don't think people really go to websites anymore, so nobody's complained thus far. But if you are trying to get to the KevinCostnerProject.com, just know we're working on it with our web hosting team, and hopefully it'll be back up soon. Again, if you're new, welcome aboard. Mm. I hope if you're really new, this is not the first Kevin Costner movie you've ever seen. Unfortunately for Jana from Germany, it was the first Kevin Costner movie she's ever seen. Yep. And I feel bad about that. <laughs> but she has not said she's never watching any more Kevin Costner movies. All right. Well, we will see you next week with our review of Fandango and possibly Silverado. Happy, Happy Halloween. Halloween! May no serial killers cross your path. And you don't get too frightened. See you next week. So long. Bye. Kevin Costner Project is produced by October 10 Productions. Our theme music is Happy Acoustic Guitar Background Music by Music Unlimited via pixabay.com. Audio clips included under fair use policies in our best accordance with U.S. copyright law. You can find us online at thekevincostnerproject.com or by searching Facebook, Instagram, Twitter X, or TikTok for The Kevin Costner Project. This podcast is not endorsed by Kevin Costner or his agents yet.